What's going on, Just Goes to Show listeners? It's your co-host, Ridge, back with another episode. Yep, just here as well, as always. Back for yet another week of Prem Talk. Another good weekend of footy. Some uh, some interesting results, some controversy. A lot of, It was a big ref show weekend. Um, we'll get into some of that, too. But um, got some weird mid- midweek fixtures this week, too. So the timing of this one's a little bit tricky. And then we got two matches tomorrow. And then uh, a, a weird slate over the weekend, international break coming up. So we're at this little bit of an impasse here in the middle of March. Uh, nevertheless, the Prem rolls on, and so does the pod. Wow, look at that. We got impasse, nevertheless, ref show, um, all in the in, in the first 45 Buzz seconds Buzzwords, baby. Yeah. Buzzwords. Um, so as, as usual, gang, uh, off the top, what you can expect, uh, we're going to go with a little weekend recap, um, talk about the quote-unquote ref show that Chris just referred uh, from this past weekend. Um, and then we're going to turn our eyes to the bottom bottom half of the table. Uh, we've been talking a lot about this relegation battle. We'll go through some predictions and then uh, what players we like um, on uh, on some of those teams. We'll do a drive-by on Fantasy Corner per usual, quick pop-in drive-by. Um, and then I'm presenting trivia to Chris this week, so he'll be on the hot seat, um, uncomfortable as he always is. Ooh. And then we'll end with the predictor app picks uh, to close us out. Every time you say you're going to drive by the fancy corner, a little drive by, it makes me think like gang related, like drive by shooting every single time. I've never brought it up to you once, but that's like been your, your favorite terminology for that segment. I don't hate it. I don't know why I think that. I don't know if anyone else does, but I just had to say it. Yeah. I think I also think of that every single time I say that. And I, (laughs) For some reason, it feels weirdly apt. Like it feels like it. Like I don't know how else you pass a corner as as other than walk by, drive by. I guess we get you know, to the I do it with corner. Speed. Bang, bang, bang! Couple quick hitters, <laughs> and now uh, we move on to trivia. Right, blood is shed in the fantasy <laughs> corner every week. Let's talk about the um, weekend, though. Why not? Yeah, Chris, you want to first of all just uh, a quick word to our sponsor. Do you want to kick us off? Uh, yeah, to, to, with our with our sponsor for the episode this week. I'd love to, yeah. So we have a new presenting sponsor uh, that will hopefully be with us for a while. Tave T T A V E T E A dot com. That's their website. Uh, love this product and this business. It's local business to us. Um, they have a lot of fun names like booze, alcohol, mixed drink related names for teas. A ton of different flavors. It's loose leaf tea. If you're not super used to that. They've got different products that they sell as well, some steepers, things like that, directions on all the bags. Really, really cool packaging. Very excited to partner up with them. Uh, Again, Tave T, T A V E T E A. We're working on getting some promo codes out for the pod as well. Hopefully, save you guys some money. Uh, We're going to be getting closer to Mother's Day here. Great Mother's Day stuff every year from Tave T. I've drank it before. Uh, There's a couple of flavors that I really like the Midday Mule, one of my favorites. Um, that's one actually without caffeine. They have a, a whole huge variety of them on their website, on their Instagram. Uh, very excited to be partnering up. More to come with that. But I had to give a shout out to our new presenting sponsor. Very excited. Wow. We just went from promoting a man's Instagram last week to promo codes dropping on the pod. It's safe to say that sponsorship space on the pod is heating up and highly desired in the competitive marketplace. So um, any any businesses or sponsors out there, um, you know, find us on Twitter um, or, um, yeah, actually just do that or leave a comment on one of the pods in the podcast in, on either on Spotify or Apple. Yeah, um, I also think that, um, you know, Tape T is a perfect 
sponsor for a Premier League pod. Obviously, they love the tea over in England. Uh, we're going to have a new segment coming out. We don't have it today. Uh, expect it on our next pod called Spill the Tea, presented by Tave Tea. Uh, their idea, not ours. I love it. It's going to be a little gossip segment. So um, we, we could probably come up with something almost every week on that. There's so much drama and bullshit going on in the Premier League all the time. So uh, very, very exciting stuff for us uh, as we keep moving into that realm. And you're right. Space is filling up quick. You know, if, if anyone big is listening, um, I'm trying to think of other podcast sponsors. Uh, Roman Swipes, um, Dude Wipes. I listen to a lot of podcasts. They have the same sponsors over and over again. But Tape T, new to the podcast game, I think. So we're, we're first to the market on that. Yeah, there you go. Um, and I agree, uh, getting some tea repping on the pod. Um, so pivoting back over to the Prem, Chiss, let's, let's kick it off with... Um, uh, we always, I think we want to get some of these these uh, big teams out early. But Casemiro was sent off again. Manchester United drew with Southampton, um, and was what it was actually a really entertaining nil nil draw. Um, I saw the the challenge uh, a few different times on replay. I think clear red, and now Casemiro's uh, suspended. Is it four games that he's out for? Yeah. So let me just read this really quick. Um, ten matches for uh, Casemiro here in the league. Last ten. This is from. Um, who scored. This actually would cover 11 matches, though. I don't know why they said 10. So here's the last 10 matches for Casemiro. I guess it's last, like, 7 and next 4. Suspended, sent off, suspended, 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 lost 7-0 to Liverpool, sent off, suspended, 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 suspended. So in 11 matches, he'll have been suspended for 8, sent off in 2, and had a 7-0 loss. That's like the worst that's, run of all time for any player. That's ever. bonkers, and people were calling him the signing of the season or up there before signing I, of the I season. I thought, I mean, I would have said he was in the contention. I think he's been huge for them. It's definitely a big blow for them. Four matches is brutal. I I agree with you that I do think it was a red. I don't know if it was as clear. I think there, was, I think there was a little bit of a maybe. I don't know. Looking at the tackle, it's it's one of those tackles you just can't make. He he studs up. And it's, he's unfortunate, I guess, is what I'm thinking, right? He gets the ball, kind of rolls over the ball right into the player. And, like, I don't know. I mean, he just can't make those tackles in the Premier League. He's He flies all over the pitch. He is a marshal back there. He defends very well, goes in hard to challenges. But you cannot go with your studs up like that, goes right over the top of the ball into a defender. I, I don't think... There can really be any complaints about it. It was very interesting to see the reaction to it. I mean, he was almost in tears. There were Southampton players consoling him, you know, putting their arms around him. It, it was very weird. It, he was devastated. You normally don't see that reaction in a red card. It's a lot of anger. It's a lot of complaining to the ref, sulking. And he was just like, I think this, I think this guy just got to cry in the pitch right now. He just knew the impact that it had. So... It's a tough thing, but he's just got to adapt his game to not make those kind of challenges. It's just too risky. Yeah, I agree. I think, I mean, what we're seeing here, I, I think, has a little bit to do with just the difference in refereeing standard in, in the Premier League and Spain, right? I see some of these, like when I watch Spanish football, Portuguese football, uh, I see sort of really kind of chippy, chippy um, skirmishes break out here and there. Right, and it tends to just result in a couple of yellows and kind of action resumes, and 
you know, with the the red card when he put his hand on the throat of Will Hughes at Crystal Palace, like that was one of those chippy skirmishes where he got singled out and sent off. Um, and then in, in this instance, um, you know, it wasn't really a chippy uh, skirmish, but, you know, maybe if he's on one of the, you know, if he's playing for Real Madrid and makes that tackle, like Real Madrid's really protected in, in La Liga, right? So um, them in Barcelona, you don't see a lot of sendings off on those teams. So I, I wonder if just like the difference in league, refereeing standard, overall sort of like competitive edge of play um, is, is a lot of people call the Premier League the most physical league in the world. Um, it's sort of like moved where Casemiro's line of behavior can be with the referee. And if that has anything to do with it, but um, I agree. I think it, the more I watch him, the more I think he's really smart positionally. And when he's playing well, he's playing well. Uh, and he, when he's playing well, he's playing well. Good analysis there. But when he's playing well, he looks really, he looks really good, right? Um, he's he like looks player. really critical, right? But but it's weird because he's a central defensive midfielder, which not a lot of those players are confidence players. But I, but when he when he's out, when I watch him like, and he turns the ball over either with an errant pass, like his errant passes are really bad when he's really bad turnovers. His bad tackles are really bad, and and he looks really slow when caught out of position. So it's just interesting. I wonder sort of if positionally his positional awareness sometimes hides just the overall athlete that he is sometimes. I feel like he's very intelligent and in the right position all the time. And when he's caught out, just sometimes looks really out of place. And just these moments where, you know, I'm just, I mean, easy to say now in hindsight, but I'm not as, I don't think he um, is as critical a signing. I think it reflects United's league position more so comes from, I think Ten Hag's management than necessarily the Casemiro signing. I don't know. I, I do think he still is a critical signing. I think he's just a very aggressive player, and I think that suits him well a lot of the time in that position. But you're right. I mean, can lead to errors. It can lead to bad tackles like this. I still think he's been a, a crucial player for them because you think about what they're going to have to do over the next four weeks or you know four match weeks, and they don't really have a replacement for him. It's probably going to be Scott McTominay, who. I don't. I actually don't hate Scott McTominay that much compared to most people. But most people do not rate him at all, and it's definitely a huge downgrade. They don't really have any depth in that that spot in the pitch. So I don't think really any Premier League team does. You kind of have that holding central defensive midfielder, and most teams have one guy they really like, and then after that, it's a little bit of a crapshoot. But I still think it's been a, a huge signing for them. I still rate him as a player, but you're right. I mean, he's not that fast. He's a little bit older doesn't have the athleticism that some of their players do. It's going to be a huge loss for them regardless. So like that's the, that's what I think you can uh, think about his impact and, and the well, that he is a good signing because the fact that he's going to be out for four matches is a huge, huge blow to them and going to put them in a tough spot here. I don't know. I mean, obviously, the, you have to factor the mistakes, but it's pretty clear how important he is to their team. Yeah, I mean, we'll see what kind of results they get. I and, think the the next four games while he's suspended will really tell because they they do all they also are still playing in Europe in the uh, you know in the Europa League. So um, he'll be able to play in those games uh, as they they advance past Barcelona. So you'll sort of see: is there a big drop off between their Premier League versus European appearances? Yeah, and I mean, obviously, massive result for Southampton, nil nil, huge point away at Old Trafford. So great for them. We'll get into the relegation stuff more, but that was that was a really big, impactful match over the weekend. Um, and then the other controversial uh, decision was involving Newcastle and Wolves, and another player who had been, <laughs> just had a red card recently. I mean, uh, Casemiro and Nick Pope are on a similar trajectory here. 
But Pope got away with one, I think. It's similar to his last one. A bad touch, gets himself in a poor position, and then kind of panics. Um, the last one was just crazy with the, the handball and everything. But this one, it was just one bad touch. Oh, shit. What do I do? I got to dive into this and, and bring this guy down, kind of. And the ball goes out, and they just didn't call anything. Everything that, everything that they said after the match was that it wasn't a clear and obvious error, so they couldn't overturn it. I don't know. I mean, I watched it a bunch of times. I thought it was a guaranteed red card. It, it's a foul, and it's in the box, and there's no one between the attacker and the net. So in my opinion, that's a clear red. I, I don't I don't know how he got away with it. I know you don't necessarily entirely agree with that, but Newcastle get that decision. They get a late goal from Miggy Almiron, win 2-1. Huge three points for them. A, a team we talked about last week that has been in a little bit of a rut, needed some momentum. Three points are three points, but uh, they got a huge break, in my opinion, there. Yeah, they went with a different lineup, right, with Alexander Isak up top. I thought he looked really sharp, got his goal. Got a goal. Um, yeah, and I, I, I don't know. I just watched it a few times. I, I think I watched I watched the extended highlights and saw one replay, and then they went to VAR, and there was no call on the field, and then they stuck by that. So it's one of those where probably whatever call they make on the field doesn't get overturned because it's just perfectly like in that gray area. I think Jimenez goes down. I think Jimenez looks – it's actually really sad watching Raul Jimenez at Wolves. Um, he just looks an absolute shell of the player he was, you know, three, four seasons ago, um, you know, three seasons ago. Obviously, he had that really nasty head injury and he doesn't quite have the physicality or le- level of aggression that he once had. Um, and I think that's a challenge that he rides three years ago and just goes and puts the ball in the net, you know. Um, but instead, he's sort of like Pope jumped behind him and he, he sort of really like just went down the second he felt kind of like a grazing contact. And I don't know if there was enough contact to necessarily knock a full grown, you know, full man, fully grown man over. Um, so I, I don't think it was a, a foul. <laughs> yeah, he is in fact fully grown. He's not, he's in fact not not growing any longer. But I just don't think it was. I just don't think it was a foul. And I, I, from the like from the replay, your initial reaction is, "Ooh, that's a foul." And then, or you, like when you're watching it live, because Pope takes that bad. Touch. Right. So shouldn't that be the but, referee's reaction? I mean, yeah, but I think he was in really good point of the screen. I, what are they doing? The ball just goes out. There's I think, nothing called. I, I think he was in a really good position. He was actually in the, the the ball very quickly went back to Pope, and the referee was in. Um, like almost on the, the in, uh, around the center circle, but on that that side of the pitch, right? So he's no obstructive view, a really good angle of it, no call, and then they stuck by that at VAR, right? If he really made an error there, they would have overturned it. Um, yeah, I, th- I, you know, I thought it was, um, I thought it was good refereeing, but definitely was definitely was on the line, and you, you know, and like like we said. Big result for for Newcastle. They showed they can score two goals in a game and win despite conceding, which has been rare for them this season. Um, so we'll see if that sort of sparks a turnaround in results for them. Yeah, it was it was a good result. I just think they caught a break, but you know that happens sometimes, and it, it was a little bit of a borderline call either way. I just thought there was definitely enough for him to go off. And I mean, how sad would that have been for Nick Pope? <laughs> just get another red card. You already missed the Carabao Cup final through suspension, and it would have been a, a pretty hilarious um i guess just link between him and casemiro because they both would have gotten two red cards right around the same time you just don't see that a lot and, and especially from a goalkeeper to have two in that quick of succession he's got to be a little bit better at his feet he's one of the best shot stoppers out there uh he that's where he needs to work a little bit is his distribution his uh just his touch and his ability to play out uh, out of his feet but 
I still rate him as a keeper. It's good points for Newcastle. It's tough. I think it's a tough break for Wolves, who are a team that are quickly getting dragged back into this relegation battle. But that's just the way the the Prem goes sometimes. So yeah. it is what it is. Um, do you want to move on and revisit our our, our take? We're just going to keep talking about every week as results change. <laughs> Yeah, just to, to update, you know, update listeners. Um, Chris and I, uh, what is this, Chris? Like a month ago, we said who's going to finish higher, Chelsea I think it was or like Liverpool? Two or three pods back, so probably about a month ago. Yeah, yeah. So Chris said Liverpool are going to finish higher. It was feeling really good after that seven 0 win against United. I said Chelsea was going to finish higher. Obviously, this weekend Bournemouth beat Ch- uh, Liverpool one nil at home. Um, so Liverpool, Mo Salah missing a penalty, couldn't win that that game against Bournemouth, who stink. Um, and then Chelsea beat Leicester 3-1 um, on the road. Um, and so now that if you look at the league table, it's Liverpool are still ahead. Liverpool are in six on 42 points. Yeah, same game, 26 games played, and Chelsea are in 10th with 26 games played and uh, on 37 points. So only five points back. And it just seems like this Chelsea squad is starting to find a little bit of rhythm. They had a really big Champions League win that we talked about last week against Dortmund in the um, to advance. Um, and then all, all of a sudden, Ben Chilwell's back. He looks really strong. Reese James is starting to get back into the squad. Wesley Fafana's finding games of regularity at the back. Um, and, uh, and you know, sort of this Thiago Silva injury has opened up really consistent playing time for Koulibaly and Kukure is kind of slotting in that left center back role a lot. So, um, yeah, I, I just, I'm feeling better about that, although you're still in the lead. So I just it wanted, uh, I feel like it was, it was really like ringing in the back of my head when you were like, yeah, you're probably not feeling good about that one. Um, well, you shouldn't. I, I, mean, I still feel pretty good about what I said, but I did like what I saw from Chelsea. Um, the Chilwell goal was a little bit lucky. He hit a really nice volley, but Danny Ward probably should have saved that. Danny Ward is not a Premier League goalkeeper. Yeah, it turns out, who would have thought? They uh, sold Schmeichel and, and Ryan Rogers like, yeah, we're good. We don't need anybody. Um, Danny Ward, not very good. But the second goal, that well, and Pot, I'll have to mention, Potts and Daka had an absolute rip. But the second goal for Chelsea was really classy. A beautiful assist from Enzo Fernandez. Chips it over the back line. A volley for Kai Havertz. Just froze Danny Ward. If Kai Havertz can get some confidence going, I don't know. I mean, I still think there's a really good player in there. I think he's been out of position a lot, asked to do things that he's probably not fit for, but he's got a ton of ability. Um, it's There's a couple of weird things going on with Chelsea. Though. They have all these big names now. Not everyone can fit into the team. If they're healthy, I don't know who they play. You've got Pulisic coming back. You've got Mudrik, who has not really kicked on, did get an assist over the weekend. Um, you got you know all these attackers, Sterling, Havertz, I don't really know. They still have Ziyech. They, they got Maduke, a new signing. It's a lot. It's like an embarrassment of riches, but I don't know if any of them are that good. But I think that there's a lot of positives for Chelsea, and I think you're starting to see the patience with Graham Potter pay off maybe a bit. might be a little early to say because Leicester aren't that good. But it was a really good performance overall from them, a huge three points away. And three goals is really the big thing, right, because they have not been able to score. So getting three goals in the, the score sheet is huge for them. Yeah, it's funny. I feel like when they play this fight, this wingback position with Chilwell on the left, and um, you know, it was Loftus Cheek on the on the weekend on the right, um, and w- whether that becomes Reese James in the coming weeks is to be to be seen. Um, but I think they look a lot better with those wingback positions. Um, it's opening up a little bit more space, and um, 
for the attacking players to kind of float in between, whether it's Havertz, Shao Felix, Mudrik, etc. Um, Mudrik actually scored a goal, but was offside, and it was really embarrassing. He did a full knees slide and like went into the corner flag. And no, I think like, he really. I think it was an assist that he did that on. I, no, I know exactly no, no, what you're no, talking. No. about. Right? Oh, okay. Well, no, we'll let the full, listeners full, be the judge full, of that. Full blown goal, and like he did it was a full blown like, silly. Has, I know that. Yeah, yeah. The commentators were like, he has no idea he's offside. So he, that was a little embarrassing. I don't know how good his English is or if he's just like his on-pitch awareness isn't that high. But um, yeah, it's just going to be interesting to see. I think they, how they progress over the next few games. They have a really big couple uh, results or uh, fixtures here of these next couple games um, in game week 28 and 29. So I just think they look a little bit better with this with the wingbacks and everyone knows like when dead Chelsea with Ben Chilwell and Reese James have two of the best wingbacks in the Premier League, if not the world when they're both in the team. So when Potter finally gets that back, will they start getting, will they go on a run of results and, you know, start to really jump, really leap the Brentford's, Fulham's, Brighton's of the world um, and, uh, and eventually sort of get up to where Newcastle is. We'll find out. Yeah. And you know, the, um, the other result, Bournemouth won, Liverpool nil. Phil Billing, man. Phil Bill. Another goal. Liverpool. Phil Bill. It was the early kickoff on Saturday. Um, Liverpool were, just really weren't that sharp. And it's, again, it's Trent Alexander-Arnold not tracking his man. You can watch the, the goal. You just watch those two guys the entire way down. And Trent's with him, with him, with him. Not tight enough, not tight enough. Easy goal for Phil Billing. I mean, we see that happen with him all the time. I just don't know. If he is cut out to actually be a defender, he's got so much skill, such a good dead ball specialist, great at crossing, and he just doesn't mark the guy he needs to tight enough. And there's so many times where they concede, and I'm just like, that's on Trent. And this was another example of that. And it's three points for Bournemouth, and three points they needed so badly. And we can get into the the relegation battle here, because I know that's our next topic. Mm -hmm. I mean, there were some wild results this weekend in the relegation battle. So you have Bournemouth, taking three points against Liverpool. You have Everton, three points against Brentford, a 1-0 win. You got Leeds with a 2-2 draw against Brighton, one of the hottest teams in the Premier League. Massive results for those teams. West Ham, 1-1 against Villa. Honestly, I thought they should have gotten more points out of that. I thought they really controlled that match, as much as I hate to say it. So a lot of fight out of these teams. And now we got just an absolutely bonkers race. We've been talking about how how tight the relegation battle is and more teams are just falling into that battle now uh we're up to like eight teams or nine teams i guess that are within five points of each other from 12th to 20th um so i guess Mm -hmm. i'm going to go through some of the odds right now um these are on FanDuel relegation odds right now we have southampton the biggest favorite minus 210 bournemouth next minus 175 forest and leeds both plus 125, Everton, plus 145. And then we get into teams that they consider a little bit more long shots. So West Ham, plus 340, Leicester, plus 380, Palace, plus 500, Wolves, plus 600. But at this point, if you're Palace or Wolves, you're five points clear of 20th. You are very, very much in that mix, as much as I hate to say it as a Palace supporter. Yeah, I, th- I agree, uh, actually, a little bit with those odds because I think Crystal Palace and Wolves are both sort of similar, right? Like, I think they played good enough football at times this season, um, especially Wolves since Lupetegui arrived. Um, but I, uh, they don't quite score enough goals either side, um, and they, they lose a lot of really close results. Like, 
Wolves, for example, losing 2-1 um, against Newcastle, which we talked about already, and then Palace you know, losing 1-0 against Manchester City with Apparently. just a, disas- a disastrous sequence um, from Michael Elise where he dribbles the ball out for the corner, concedes the corner, and then just bundles into Ilkay Gundogan uh, and and concedes a penalty. Um, and it was really strange watching that game because there was just like no debate and everyone was just kind of like, Elise, why did you do that? Um, and Elise, who we compared to Anthony last week on the pod. So there you go. Uh, you compared him. I said it was a good comp, I did. though. So I did kind yeah, of Yeah, thank it. you. Um, and now, and now you're right. So now there's, you know, we talked about this bottom, um, you know, 12th through 20th, right? So we've got, uh, nine teams that are very much all, all, all in the race. Um, and five out of those nine teams got points over the weekend, uh, with two getting wins, right? So I'm just doing quick. Yeah, yeah, two wins. So uh, Bournemouth, and Bournemouth. Uh, Bournemouth and Everton both won. Yep, Leeds, Southampton, and um, and West Ham all got all got a single a, a solidary point. So, uh, Chris, if you were to look, I, I know we talked about this before. Who's your prediction to go down? And then I've got a follow up question for you. Well, first I want to say just if we're looking at these odds, and if we're looking at value right now, I hate to say it, but Crystal Palace at plus five hundred. There might be some value there. They have not gone a shot in target in the last three matches. And I'm pretty sure that's the second time this season that's happened. They do not generate anything going forward right now. They're pretty strong defensively. They went to that, that Man City game playing very defensively. And what happens? They give a penalty and the rest is history there. I do not have much confidence in that team. I do think they'll stay up. There's so many teams between them and the bottom right now, but five points is just nothing. But if I, I had to pick the teams to go down, I mean, it's the two that we've always said, Southampton and Bournemouth. I still think they're both down. Bournemouth have been showing a lot of fight, though. They had that Arsenal match in their hands. They blew it. They bounced back right away and get a win against Liverpool. Two very difficult fixtures with very good performances. So I like the direction they're heading in. I just, I'd still bet on them to go down. And then after that, you look at Forest, Leeds, and Everton as probably the most next likely to go down. I don't want to pick Forest. I like Forest. I really don't want to pick them. So I'm going to say Everton. And I hate to go against my boy Sean Dyche, but it's been those three teams that we've just kind of been interchanging. I do think Leicester and West Ham are in a lot of danger, especially West Ham, I would say. But I would go Southampton, Bournemouth, Everton. Wow. Okay. Um, Southampton, Bournemouth, and Everton. Okay, so follow-up question to that. If you're a, we'll call you uh, 11th to first place team, so Aston Villa to Arsenal, any team in in that area. So you varying positional needs. Who who is your number one transfer target out of those three relegated teams? So they get they get relegated at the end of the season. You raid their squad in the summer for a transfer because um, from a player who doesn't want to play in the championship. Who do you buy as as top target from those three teams? Um, I think all three teams have one guy that I, I would pick out. Um, it kind of depends on what you're looking for in terms of position, in terms of youth and and cost. So I'm going to give one name from each three, but I'm going to have one guy specifically that I want my club to sign. I like that. Um, but Onana from Everton, if they go down, you will get bought. You will yeah. get bought. He's not my guy that I'd pick, though. He's from a Bournemouth, monster. He's like, what is he, 6'5"? He's huge. For his height. 
He's he's big. He's lanky. He's a little bit reckless sometimes, but you can see he's got a ton of talent. He's yeah, been he's really, six really five on Fat Mob. What's six his age? Five on Fat Mob. Uh, already deleted. Believe it was said twenty one. Yeah, he's he's young. So he would be one of the top names in the list, I think. For Bournemouth, I mean, Philip Billing is just going out there and, and making things happen. Uh, I I could see him playing the championship for Bournemouth, but I could also see a lot of teams being interested in him. But uh, there's one guy that I've just always coveted for my teams, especially for, for Crystal Palace, and he's just a shithouse player, and I hate playing against him so much. But it's James Ward-Prowse. He's a club captain. He bangs in every free kick imaginable. He almost got one against United over the weekend at the top of the bar. It would have been a hell of a 1-0 result if that went in. He just keeps doing it. He plays with a lot of heart. A lot. He's the kind of guy on your team that if he's on, he's playing for your side, you love him. I and mean, you're playing against him, you can't stand him. And that's the kind of guy I want on my team. Uh, I would think that he would be a massive help to most teams in the Premier League. I don't think the top five or six clubs are probably going to go after him because he's not that young at this point. But, I mean, you slot him right into Palace or Villa, the teams that we support. And he's he's an immense player, so I I can't see him playing in the championship. He's a Premier League player. Yeah, and he's really durable too, right? Like captain plays, you know, almost every minute of every game for Southampton. He's spent some time slotting in at right back. Um, he's a set piece specialist. Like you know, even if you're like a top, if you're a Fulham, right? Like um, you know, how much would you like James Ward-Prowse in your team instead of Harrison Reed, right? Or um, you know, Brentford in the middle of that, in that midfield Wolves, trio. So. Leicester. I mean, any of these yeah. teams like West Ham, like they, there's not a single team, especially in this bottom nine that could not use a player like that. He takes every dead ball for that team and he has for years. And he, there's no one in the Prem that's better than him. They're in 20th place. Yeah. And he is the best player in the Prem at set pieces and dead balls. And he has been, yeah. it's consistent. So he, he will be a hot commodity if and when Southampton go down. I still think they will go down. But they do have momentum right now, more momentum than a lot of these teams we're talking about. So you never really know. But he would be my number one. So let's go to you. Let's, let's hear your three relegation picks. And then if you have a couple of names of guys that you think will be, uh, be hot in the transfer market come you know June, June uh, July. Yeah, I think going down, uh, I think Southampton are down. I think uh, Bournemouth are down as 20th and 19th. And if I'm really honest, I want to say Leeds is the third team yeah. going down, um, which is currently the bottom three. Uh, but I think I think Leeds could just get lucky. I think they could just get lucky um, with Javi Gracia. I, I yeah, I, I just don't love him. I think they could just get lucky and it just, you know, they they finish in 17th um, and Forrest goes down. Um, Forrest, it, you know, if you look at goal difference in the Prem, they have the second worst goal difference, goal differential of any team in the league. Uh, or the worst, tied for the worst. Tied for the Bournemouth. worst. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and I, I think when you watch those teams, like Forrest, Forrest wins, if you remember, the, I mean, they all came like in a little run, like in January, like on the back of the World Cup. Yep. They won a couple plucky games at home, um, making some tactical adjustments and with some fresh guys in the lineup. And they get some goals from Brennan Johnson. But like, if you just watch that team, I think they're one of the more disjointed. I mean, they they, they went down really early. Um, 
they went out three nil against um, against Spurs, and Spurs just kind of like coasted it in um, over the weekend. I just I really fear for Forrest, um, and I think if I'm honest, if somehow Forrest escaped the drop and Leeds go down, I think Forrest are down next season um, unless they, unless some crazy stuff happens in the summer. I, I just I really fear for you know what their model was this past year and how bloated that squad was. You got guys like Andre Ayew taking penalties. Like when I see Andre Andre Ayew taking penalties as a January you know win, uh, or. Uh, uh, a winter transfer window signing. I just think like that's the recipe that just reeks of desperation. Um, so, so I think Forrest so might your, be down as well. Forrest. Okay, so you're saying Forrest instead of Leeds. So yeah, so I'm a, really a just guys in Forrest that I think would be um, very coveted as well. But mm-hmm. I'm curious to hear what you say as far as you know if you had to pick one guy from your your group down there. There's there's one or two guys in Leeds that definitely would be. But but who else? Yeah. What players you think would be on the move? So I think uh, from Nottingham Forest, I think if they go down, Brennan Johnson is the hot commodity from that team. Um, I mentioned him already. Really classy, pacey. Um, just He's uh, just a brilliant winger. Um, so I think he he's a big target for even top six teams. Um, if I look at Bournemouth, we already called out Phil Bill. I think he's a star. Um, I think Solanke has really developed into a strong number nine. I can see him doing a job for a few teams next season. Um, and I like some of the guys that they just signed in the in the um, uh, in the January window. Um, but I would I'll just say Phil Bill because he's one of my favorite. Uh, he's as you know one of my kind of favorite non Villa or Palace players in the Prem. Um, and from Southampton, I love your James Ward Prowse call. Completely agree with the logic. Um, I think they'd actually probably recoup uh, a bigger fee for um, his counterpart, Romeo Lavia, um, mm-hmm. who's just y- younger. Um, and I mean, right after, I think after like three games at Southampton in the beginning of the season, he was linked with going back to Manchester City um, for a really big transfer, which would have just been crazy, right? If, if Southampton bought him out, right? And then he went back to City after like playing three games, that would have been just madness. Yeah. But um I think they'll recoup a big fee for him. And I can't really see – like so, uh, with James Ward-Prowse, there's a – I don't think he would play in the championship, but I could see like club captain. He goes down, takes the team back up. Like he always does like the morally – you know, the, always does right by the club. He's a club legend. Um, and I, I can see Lavia, 19 years old, 20 years old, just being like, fuck this. <laughs> I'm out. Like I want to go play for a bit. Sure. You know, I want to go be a central midfielder at, um, you know, Palace, a Villa. I mean there's a lot of teams that would take him. For sure. I, I will say um, with the Forest take, so Brennan Johnson, a darling. I love Brennan Johnson. I know we've talked a little bit about football manager. One of my best, most recent games of football manager, I started with Nottingham Forest in the championship, and Brennan Johnson was like the one guy on that team that I just absolutely adored. He's 21 years old, been in great form, seven goals this season. Uh, born in Nottingham, even though he's Welsh. He did just pick up a groin injury. He's the kind of guy I could see going down with them and trying, at least for one season, trying to get them back up. And we looked at with Villa going down with Jack Grealish. It's a similar thing where it's this young, um, very influential player on the squad that has a lot of ties to the club. I could just see Brennan Johnson saying, you know what, I'm going to stick it out one more year with Forrest. Let's see what happens. And if they can go right back up, maybe stick it out with them for another season after that. I do think that Morgan Gibbs-White will attract a lot of attention. They just signed him over the summer, but he's been really, really good for them. And uh, I, I could see him moving right away to another club. 
And then the other team that you mentioned, Leeds, if they go down, Tyler Tyler Adams is going to be a, a big-time hot commodity, in my opinion. He's kind of that same position we were talking about with Casemiro. A lot of teams don't have that guy, or if they do, they only have one of them. And I like the way that Tyler Adams plays. He's young, so much energy on the pitch, um, and kind of a big name at this point, too. I don't know if they really factor that in, like the American commercial aspect of it, but he's very well known here, and he had a big World Cup. I think there's a lot of clubs that are making a move for him. I don't think he's going to sit it out in the championship for a season if they go down. So I would say that he'd probably be the main guy from Leeds. And they got other guys, too, but he'd be the one that I'd pick out. Yeah, I mean, if that Leeds squad, that they're they're easily the best squad, I think, out of, you know, if you're stacking up Southampton, Leeds, Bournemouth, um, Everton, Forest, like they've got the best squad out of those five teams yeah. um, easily. <laughs> Maybe um, not and West so that, Ham, Leicester, Palace, Wolves. That they, There'd be a competition there, but I agree with those other teams, yeah. Yeah, right. I think they're more on that level in terms of squad depth. And so if they do go down, like we were talking about, I, oh my, I mean, it's going to be madness. They'll just get absolutely raided in the summer. Um, I've spoken that I'm, I'm not a huge fan of, um, you know, I've watched that. I've watched the documentary at Leeds. I'm just not a huge fan of sort of their their back room. And I wasn't a big fan of that Jesse Marsh sacking. And so, I don't know, there's a weird way I'd, I'd sort of, I don't know if I if if they did go down, I would sort of say you think they deserve right. it. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so I think they kind of brought it on themselves in a way. So, um, but I, I do think there's a just a, a gap in squads, and easily the fir- the worst five squads in the uh, four squads in the league are Southampton, Bournemouth, Everton, and Forest, right? And and I, and those are you know four teams, and we picked three of the, each of those four teams to go down. Um, big shout for D- DCL over at Everton too, Chris. Um, yeah, I think I you know that'd be interesting to see. Now I'm um, out on him. He could go to a, a bigger team. You're out on him? I'm, out on, I'm out on Dominic. I, I wasn't, but he hasn't shown anything in 18 months. A lot of injuries, not a lot of consistent playing time. They've got some other guys that I would pick ahead of him. I, I don't. He, Jordan Pickford just signed a new deal. I don't know if I see him playing in the championship. He's been England's number one for six years or whatever. But um, I don't know. Everton, is, Everton has a lot of talent on that team still, I think. They just can't really put it together. And Sean Dyche might be the guy to do it. But uh, I don't know. I, I think I'd pick Forrest ahead of them. That's why I did that. And Leeds, Leeds and Forrest are probably the other two in that group. But I, I, that's all I got for that. I mean, this is. But we had to talk about this because I really think this is. I mean, we've been you've been watching the Premier League a little bit longer than me. I've been following it closely for 10, 12 years at least. I, this is shaping up to be maybe the best relegation battle I've ever seen. It's it's going to be yeah. complete madness. I'm very excited for it, especially if Crystal Palace finds themselves not really in the thick of it, so I can watch it more as a neutral. Because there's nothing worse than watching those last couple of matches of the season when your team is a threat to go down. It's the most stressful thing in the world. So right. it's it's tough to say that it's exciting and it's going to be fun because it will be while teams are suffering and supporters are suffering. But I'm. I'm probably more excited for that than the title race right now, even though I think that could go down to the wire too. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, this really is a fantastic. I mean, not to go full cheese appreciation mode, but wow, I mean, the the product that the Premier League's putting out right now is crazy, right? Like the top end of the table is nuts. Um, Arsenal could win and and upset, you know, Manchester City and um, and Liverpool's out of the top five right now. Um, 
Chelsea have spent unprecedented amounts of money and then and the relegation battle in true like English football fashion, the relegation battle could be the most exciting thing that happens in the Premier League this season. Well, you know, the top um, the, the title race, on. the top four race, the top six race, all those things look right now with twelve matches left or so, like they're going to come down to the wire. And, and you just especially the title race, the pace that Arsenal are on, you don't expect City to slip up and let Arsenal run away with it. So you expect those teams to be neck and neck, I would think. I'm very, I'm very giddy about it, but you can't tell. Um, and and we're, keep in mind, we're recording this before uh, Brighton play um, Crystal Palace. Uh, we know that's a, a derby, and uh, and Southampton play Brentford. So who knows? You know, we this pod could come out, um, you know, the day of that game. Crystal Palace could get a result, and then you've got to kind of think, all right, they're on thirty points. They just beat Brighton. Um, you know, you've got to kind of think that they're probably coming close to safety because i mean the the point to be safe at this point is the number of points needed to be safe is probably going to be like early 30s yeah 35 right? like, i think you'd definitely be safe so wolves and palace are only yeah. really a couple wins away from feeling very comfortable i'd say but they especially palace no momentum they haven't won yet this year so they're they're desperate but those teams are in a spot where okay we get two results in our next three we're probably probably gonna be okay Yep, yep, yep. Um, all right, well, that's uh, that's that's our analysis of the bottom half of the table. I, I think it's really exciting to sort of think a little bit ahead on, in terms of the market um, and and who's going to go from these teams, right? Like, there's just some big squads with really talented players, and if they go down, um, it doesn't really look like anyone's kind of mailing it in, right? And we've had like seasons in the past where like Norwich is mailing it in, and you know they're like clearly going down at Christmas, and it, it's not that clear. So I like to think a little bit ahead and how the market's going to react. Um, but quick drive-by fantasy corner this week in fantasy in, in FPL is a little funky. We've got a um, a blank game week for six teams: so West Ham, Manchester United, Manchester City, Liverpool, Fulham, Brighton. So six bang bang shots fired off here at the drive-by bang, fantasy bang. corner. Um, six teams not playing. So keep that in mind as you're setting your lineup this week. Um, but then the tricky thing is with whoever you're transferring out, just look at what team they're on and if they're playing potentially twice in game week 29. Um, so a bit of a common move is moving off of Erling Holland right now in the fantasy community um, because they don't have a double game week into game week 29. So I, I caution all listeners, um, <laughs> you know, do, do that very carefully. Um, he did score the best five goals asset. today against RB Leipzig. So right, he he is confirmed still good. <laughs> five goals today. People were moving off him, and then he scored five goals today in a huge championship or Champions League tie for them. So yeah, I, I do that with caution because it's it's one of those things where if you play a team with Holland and you don't have him, and he has one of those weeks, you pretty much are guaranteed to lose. If, and a head to head, if you're just going for points, it's the same thing. You're gonna lose a lot of ground if you don't have him. When he does, has one of those weeks, mm-hmm. he obviously hasn't been as big of a captain choice over the past, you know, four or six weeks. But he's still going to score goals. He, it's just what he does. So, I'm personally going to hold. I think. Um, and we also got the international break to deal with. So think about that with your transfers. There is bound to be a guy or two that picks up a knock over the international break. So you're going to have to keep keep your eyes out there. Yeah, try and field a full starting 11 if you can. Use your transfers to do so in game week 28 and then have a vision to hold way through the international break and then attack uh, the what will be the largest game week double, the double game week of the season probably in game week 29. Um, so there's uh, there's your intel for Fantasy Corner. Chris, love that you came into a couple shots in Fantasy Corner there. Appreciate that. Bang, bang. Um, 
And uh, and then I'm presenting trivia this week to Chris. So, um, Chris, we're going to jump right into it because I've listened to the last couple of pods and I spend a lot of time explaining the rules. So yeah. I'm going to give you uh, 90 seconds. Last time you did it, I still had no idea what we were getting into by the time we started. So, <laughs> so I, got, I got, you got 90 seconds. Um, and what I'm looking for is there are uh, seven players who at, in the Premier League because um, we were talking a lot about you know the ref watch this past weekend. There are seven players in the Prem who are on eight or more yellow cards. Okay? Um, and you get the little bonus question at the end because only one of them has received a red card. So there's a little hint uh, for you. So eight or more yellow cards. There are seven players in the Prem who have that. Um, you got 90 seconds to guess as many of them you can. I'll be impressed if you get three or four. Yeah, me too. Um um, all right, ready, set, go. Oh man, I don't know where to begin. I'm thinking um, defenders and central midfielders. I'm gonna say Onana. We talked about him. No, but you're you are correct thinking positionally, especially right. central midfielders. Yeah. Um, Cheek to Corey. Yes, he's one. Okay. Um, Ruben Nevis. Yep, he's two. Wow. Okay, I'm already doing better than I thought. Um. This is a really hard question. I'm not going to lie. Tyler Adams? Nope. Okay. Um, You're definitely on the right track with those CMs, though, for sure. Yeah, I, I, I feel like I am, but uh, there's just, that's just, you're opening it up to like every player. Um, I feel like they're, I think I looked at something similar when I was trying to do trivia for you. I'm just burning time right now. <sighs> Um, let's go with Declan Rice. Nope. Um, Romero. Nope. Oh, it seems like he has a lot. Um, music playing, time ticking. Uh, probably not Granite Xhaka, right? He is, I think he's calmed nope. down a little bit. Um, Rodri. I'm just going through all the guys. There's some nope. DMs. You got 10 seconds. Okay, well, I'm going to get two there. Uh, Hoiberg? Um, nope. Oh, close, close on that team, CM. Uh, Basuma? No. Skip? No. Nope. Uh, Kerr. Yep, got it. Time. Oh. I'll give that to you. Okay, thank you. Oh, okay, um, I think right. I could probably Rodrigo get over the teams, but you're just like, give me a question. I'm like, okay, this literally could be probably anybody. Um, yep. So there's one guy who's gotten a red card. I didn't. Oh, Decore. Yep, exactly. You got him already. So that's a bonus points, like a, a 1.5 times multiplier. So I'll give you. You got 3.5 out of um, out, out of seven. seven. Half. Um, I'll so take that's 50 percent. Um, yes. Quiz is curved. So nice work. Um, okay. The so you got uh, Ruben Neves, who has nine yellow cards on the season. Check Decore and Rodrigo Bentancur both have eight. So I got the top um, three. No, there are oh, uh, there are pl- okay. two, there are two players with ten. <laughs> okay. There are two players with ten, and then two other six. players. Or three through five. Uh, yeah, two, two other players with eight. Okay. Um, so you've got. Uh, I'll I'll have you guess the two other players. Uh, yeah. On eight first, they're both English. One is a right back, and one is a center forward. So these were the only non-central midfielders from this list. Oh, that's what I was thinking. Both on eight, eight, eight it, yellow cards. It's not Ollie Watkins, is it? No. Um, the English center forward is is right. Solanke, Kane. 
Um, not Callum Wilson. You'd, 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 you'd place a bet on him to get a yellow card in the next game if you could. Oh, God. Um, Wilf? <laughs> no. Neil Malpass? No, it's... it's... Tony? It's an English, an English, yes, 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 yes. That's who it was. Yes. God, a place of yes. oh, I'm a, ha, 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 Yeah, there wow. you go. I'm, I'm an idiot. I get it. That's funny. <laughs> I was thinking Brighton Palace. The game's chippy. I was like, oh, okay. I get it. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, see, I don't I like see, to make fun of people who gamble and get suspended for maybe a year. So, <laughs> right, right. You like Evan Tony, yeah, yeah. And then the other ones are right back. He plays for Bournemouth. He's English, um, and he's chippy. Adam Smith. And, and yeah. He would have been tough. You would have been tough to guess. You know, Scar um, actually tipped him for me one week to uh, get a to pick up a card in one of his matches. He got a parlay. I don't think he did, but he does. He does dive into a lot of tackles. I feel like you're right. He just take up the L's. And then the only two players um, who are top of the league in in yellow cards, both serving suspensions for for uh, accumulating yellow cards. Um, one of them plays for Fulham. Um. <laughs> Central midfielder. Yeah, I figured. I figured. He's on my top my top three players on, on outside of uh, Crystal Palace and Aston Villa. New signing for season in the Prem. Oh, he's in your top three players outside. Of, we were just talking about that, weren't we? Maybe I wasn't paying attention yeah, we to what you said. Um, okay, so that's gonna be. Oh, duh, Jalpolina. Who's been a yes. beast? He's been really, really good. Mm-hmm. He has been really good, and then uh, so he's top in yellow cards. Um, also played the most minutes um, out of the two folks with yellow, or played more minutes than the other guy with ten yellow cards. The other one is a Brazilian midfielder, not by trade, um, and he plays for uh, Newcastle. Not by trade, Bruno Gomes. I almost said him. Mm-hmm. He he did come it's, to mind for me. It's, and well, I no, it's not him. It. It's not oh. him. Sorry, it's not him. Um, so the, the player is Brazilian, plays central midfield for Newcastle, but it wasn't signed as a central midfielder. It was signed as oh, a Oh, Joel Winton. Yeah, yeah, not by yes. trade. Okay, I gotcha. Interesting. Right, right. Length. Yeah, I feel like yes. he has the long legs sometimes pick up the yellows. Yeah. I don't know if that's say true. Ivan Tony, Benton no research, Kaur, but... Joel Linton. Yeah, no research. Um, but anyway, those are those are some of the chippiest players in the league. You've also got you know big shouts to um, next on the list. You got a couple of players on seven. Amadou Onana is one. Um, I did guess. But him. I think just shows it, it really interesting players like Ivan Tony, Adam Smith, who aren't in the middle of the park that break up play. They're obviously like taking some tactical fouls there, and Tony probably gets some for you know different different things around the pitch. Um, he's kind of playing with fire there. He said no reds this season. Um, and then a lot of the central midfielders sort of tactically breaking up play. Ruben Neves, you don't really think of him as like a crunching midfielder, but clearly breaking up a lot of play for the Wolves team in, in tactical positions. It's a lot of minutes too, so it's kind of bound mm-hmm. to happen with some of these central midfielders that play every match. They're going to pick Especially, them up. Especially, yeah, but... if, if, and, and you've constantly got forwards running in behind you and central midfielders playing balls, right? Like you're going to commit a lot of tactical fouls. And so there's sort of, that's the theme there. You've got teams that are, on the defensive, you know, um, uh, not playing for major possession-based teams, um, and uh, and have like Buntingcore with eight for Spurs, right? Like it clearly shows they don't have the ball as much as they would like, and he's, and he's got been the most hurt yellows for a, over a month. Right, he's got the most yellows with the fewest amount of games on this list. Yeah, the, the one, the, the only one that was a hard one. I'm not super upset with myself. I was when you said it, I was like, I might go over seven. But uh, 
the one that makes me mad is Jal Polina because I should have gotten that one. Uh, yeah. He's he well, just is all over the pitch. You, you can just tell with a guy like that. But okay, he's a stud. I, I'm not too too upset there, but you know sometimes I think about it. I'm like these listeners. It's 90 seconds, and I'm just over here stalling, and and that's not a good strategy because the clock is ticking. I don't know why I'm doing it. I'm just stalling because I can't. I just there's just no names coming to my mind. And I'm like I don't want to look like an idiot in front of all these people that are listening in their cars See, on their way to work. But I'll. I'll give you my yeah, I'll give you my hint. I've never told you this on the pod before, but I like to pull up the Premier League table on my oh, screen. And, okay, okay, okay. And then I just, then I just go through the teams. teams. I'm like, oh wait, I haven't said anyone from Brighton yet. Yeah, no, I need <laughs> the same thing. Yeah, that's what I do. That's what I do. Because that's not really cheating. Like we know all the 20 teams, but you're just like, like I said, I'm I'm drenched in sweat right now. I'm going to shower after we record this because I just right. just my heart's racing. I don't know what to do. You just forget it's high the teams st- exist. So I don't know. It's high stakes over here. Um, again, that's uh, the trivia, um, Tave T trivia, brought, brought to you by Tave T. Um, second read there on the pod. Um, let's jump over to predictor app picks. So, Chris, we've got uh, the next round of predictor games, as yeah. we talked about. I just want to say real given, quick before we get into them. I'll go for it. Weird weekend in terms of fixtures. Not a lot of teams playing. So you mentioned that we have the Brighton Palace, Southampton, Brentford games tomorrow, which is Wednesday. And then we have Forest, Newcastle on Friday. The daylight savings time thing is happening this weekend, so all the games are an hour later here than they normally are. Saturday, we have five matches. None of them start before 11 o'clock Eastern time. And then Sunday, only one match. So it's going to be, it's going to feel like a bit of an empty weekend. Um, not everyone's going to be playing. Saturday will be a bigger day. Sunday, the only match is Arsenal Palace. Um, so just keep that in mind when you're, you're planning your morning shit, because, you know, I'm most, I wake up seven o'clock every Saturday expecting a game, and there's not going to be a kickoff till eleven. I'm going to be pacing around the house for three hours. But let's get to the picks. Let's get in the picks. First one is uh, you got Villa versus Bournemouth. Um, who do you got? This is tough. Villa did not look good against West Ham. I really didn't think they did. I talked about it last pod that I think Bubakar Kamara is a big loss for them. He will be back, but he won't be back this weekend. Bournemouth are plucky. They're getting results. That being said, I see goals in this game, and I see Villa getting a win at home. I'm going to go 3-1. Wow. Okay. So uh, based off that kind of like intro, I thought you were going to go for Villa loss no, or a draw. No, I a little switcheroo on you there. Yeah. Um, I think uh, I go Villa 2-0. Um, I think Villa will be prepared for this. I think well, it, that game against West Ham was really interesting. They kept getting repeatedly beat from a long ball sort of over Matty Cash to Saeed Benrahma over and over and over again, especially in the second half. And it just kept Villa would play out of the back, get to like midfield, get to like the middle third. And then, it, you know, they either lose possession and then Declan Rice or, um, you know, a center back or, you know, uh, I think it's Johnson, the, the right back who was playing for, for West Ham, would just hoof this ball to, to the opposite corner of the pitch and it would go over Matty Cash's head. And I just thought the, the shape was really narrow. Um, I, I definitely could see like a different, different, f- a different system being played with McGinn in the middle, Bailey on the outside, um, and Jacob Ramsey on the other side, and uh, and Buendia and Ali up top. Um, I don't think Bailey had a particularly good game. So it's a long way of me saying I thought the game last week was a little funky. I think Emery will get the boys right, and I think they win 2-0. Yeah, they were very, very vulnerable on both wings. Bowen and Ben Rama were both really dangerous the entire match. West Ham should have scored more than they did, and they got a, kind of a cheap penalty. That was their only goal. All right, yeah. next match. Brentford at home against Leicester. Both teams looking to rebound. What do you like here? Mm-hmm. 
I think Brentford's just really tough to beat at home. Um, and so I'm going to I'm going to go with them to win. <sighs> yeah, I'm going to go with them to win this one. I'm going to go they win 2-1. Uh, that's exactly what I was going to say, so I'm just going to copy you 2-1. It's very funny, though, that we did a whole segment last pod about Brentford and their unbeaten run, and they lost to Everton. <laughs> I yeah, just had to point that it. out. That's that's the, the podcaster's jinx there, as we like to say. But I like 2-1 <laughs> as well, because Leicester do score goals. Um, and I think they'll be able to get one. But yeah, 2-1 Brentford. Southampton at home against Spurs. Southampton, another team running some momentum. Spurs got a big win last weekend. I'm going to go... One one. I think Southampton ride this I, wave for a little bit longer. Yeah, I don't hate that. Um, I'll actually go. That game that they just played against United was nil nil. So I think the likelihood of another nil nil. I'd really like that one one call, Chris. I'm gonna go Southampton one, Spurs nil. Um, wow. I'm just not high. I'm not high on Spurs right now. I'm not high on them with the Conte drama. Sun is just a fraud this season. There's a Richarlison comments. He's not mad at Conte. He's mad at Conte. I don't know. That was really, hilarious. I'm just not, not keen on Spurs right now. Yeah, real quick, just Conte saying, he gets a question about Richarlison's interview where he basically calls out Conte and Conte's like, no, no, no. It was no criticism of me. He said his season is shit and it has been. <laughs> Conte's like, no, no, no. He's only talking shit about himself and he's absolutely right. He's, he deserves to be saying that because he's been really bad. Um, Benton Kerr is a big loss for them too. I know we mentioned him a little bit, but he that they're a different team with him. Wolves at home against Leeds, a big match for both these teams in the relegation battle we just talked about. What do you like here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like Wolves to win one nil at home. Okay, I think this is where we see a little bit of a Leeds resurgence. They just got a huge result against Brighton two two. I'm gonna go one nil Leeds. Wow, so we're on opposite sides of the fence there. Yeah. Chelsea mm-hmm. at home against Everton. Two teams coming off big wins. What do you like here? Yeah, I think Chelsea have like 80% possession here, 75% possession. The key is going to be if they can secure an early goal. Um, the longer Everton are in the game, the, you know, the more chance they have for sneaking like a Tarkovsky-headed winner. Um but I do think Chelsea do get that early goal now that Havertz and, you know, they, they just scored three. And, and with these wingbacks, they seem okay. So I'm going to say they score early and end up winning 2-0 and kind of see the game out rather comfortably. Yeah, I think uh, an Everton team managed by Sean Dyche is a lot different of an opponent than a Leicester team managed by Brendan Rodgers. And this is a game where Everton, I think, can kind of pack it in and go for a result. Chelsea, they, they've started to show some flashes of scoring. I, I see this one as a nil-nil. I think this is a classic Everton Sean Dyche result where they get a point on the road against a good team and just walk home very happy. So I'm going to go nil-nil, um, and that that would help my Liverpool take. So <laughs> that's that maybe part of it as well. <laughs> Last yeah. match, Arsenal at home against Palace. Uh, I'll go first here. Palace can't get a shot on target. They can't. I hope they do tomorrow against Brighton. But they just have nothing going forward right now. They're going to need to make some changes. They have not been playing as a. I do not understand it. He's not been starting. He creates a lot of their opportunities. Arsenal are rolling. I, I think Arsenal win big in this one. I'm going to go three now. Yeah, this one's really tough. Um, I. It, it's also at the Emirates. Um, 
Palace have had some luck at the Emirates in recent years. I've seen them win um, win three one at the Emirates. Uh, I I do agree. It's I struggle to see goals from them, um, but I don't think I see Arsenal putting a bunch past this Palace team. Um, so I'm gonna go one nil Arsenal. It's brave. I respect it. Well, that's it. That's a predictor. Get all six right, win ten k, right? Right. Yeah. They just they, haven't seen they it yet. But... The pod. Right. We haven't seen it yet, but they they know we're giving out the the heat every weekend. So, um, that's that's pretty much all I got, Chris. Um, I think I'm very eager to see this Palace result tomorrow um, against Brighton. Um, you know, the M23 Derby. It's a game that I've been to, and um, I'm definitely going to watch with. You know, kind of on hiding behind the sofa a little bit because I think this Brighton team is turning into. They do some serious business in the summer. I think Deserby and Deserby stays. They could be really, really dangerous next year. So I'm gonna watch it kind of with one eye, one eye closed, um, and and hopefully enjoy a, an upset tomorrow. Yeah, I'm nervous for it, but the Palace plays strong in that match. Even if they don't outplay Brighton, they tend to get good results. So we'll we'll see uh, what they can do tomorrow on the road, but. Um, all, I, all I have left is I just want to give one more shout out to Tave T. Visit TaveT.com. Follow them on Instagram. Great product, great company, great people. So excited to, to keep things moving forward with them. We'll, uh, we'll keep you guys posted if there's any more like discount codes, things like that, because I think we're going to be getting that in the works. Uh, so thanks to the, them again. But uh, that's all I've got for this week. All right. Well, as always, uh, just goes to show. Everybody's human. Thanks for listening.